y'all. This is Leah Van. I am your Hawkeye football beat writer here at the Gazette. And I'm telling y'all what is Hawk off the press. Yes, this week I will be previewing this game with Sean Bach, who is my guest later on this podcast episode from 24-7 Sports. And then later this week, I will have our Iowa State beat writer, Ben Visser, to talk about what to expect from the Cyclones this Saturday and how this matchup might play out. Maybe not. We could both be wrong. I don't know. Um, That's the whole fun in it is the unpredictability of college football. Anyway, I thought I would start off this podcast with some notes. Uh, Out of the Big Ten West, we do have some big news. Iowa plays Minnesota on November 13th, and the Gophers actually just lost their running back Muhammad Ibrahim to a lower leg injury for the, so he will be out for the remainder of the season. Really unfortunate. I was looking forward to seeing him and Tyler Goodson go head to head, obviously on in November, but we won't see that all-star matchup. Both players were named to the Doak Walker preseason um, watch list. So um, feel really bad for him. Honestly, that's awful. Anyway, um, some lighter news. Iowa is at the top of the Big Ten West after its win over Indiana this weekend. Of course, the Big Ten West favorite, Wisconsin, was beat by Penn State 16-10. to And the only other team to have a conference win right now in the Big Ten West is Illinois, who beat Nebraska in Week 0. But Illinois lost to UT San Antonio this weekend. Go Roadrunners, as my little brother who spent one year there would say. And anybody else, as far as we go, Purdue was the only other team with a win worth noting, I guess, 30 to 21 this weekend over Oregon State, which is a non-conference alliance matchup. So, yeah, that is where the Big Ten West is. And we have some game notes that I received through the email from our trusty athletics department at the University of Iowa. So some of the ones that stood out to me was that the Hawkeyes have played 23 straight games without surrendering 25 points, which is the longest streak in the nation among power five teams. The Hawkeyes rank number one in the big 10 in scoring defense and number three in rush defense and pass defense. So there you have it. This will be the first time that Iowa and Iowa State meet as both ranked in the top 25. So that's a really exciting milestone for this rivalry this weekend. And there's one more that I wanted to read off for y'all that if you give me one minute, I will have it pulled up in front of my face. Or did I write it down on my notebook? Oh, some people were asking on Twitter when the last time the Hawkeyes opened with ranked opponents. And the last time, here it is. Iowa is playing its second straight AP top 25 team, of course. It marks the fourth time in program history the Hawkeyes have opened a season against consecutive opponents ranked in the AP top 25. The last time being in 1974, yes, 1974, yes, they went one and one in 1973, they went oh and two, 
1960, they started 2-0. So if Iowa gets that win this weekend over the Cyclones, it'll be the first time since 1960 that it has opened and defeated two ranked opponents. That took way too long for me to say. I apologize. It's been a long weekend. I'm very tired. Um, of course, Riley Moss collected a couple of awards after this weekend. He was named the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week and the Walter Camp National Defensive Player of the Week. So, also really exciting news for the Hawkeyes. And with that, I will direct you to Sean Bach of 24-7 Sports. I'm really excited to have his insight, especially on recruiting. It was a big recruiting weekend this weekend. So here's my discussion with Sean, and I hope y'all enjoy it. Thank you for listening. Hey, y'all, and welcome back to Hawk Off the Press. Today, I am joined by Sean Bach of 24-7 Sports. Sean, how are you doing today? Doing well, Leah. Uh, day off of school, so that was always nice. I mean, I usually, I don't have classes on Monday anyway, uh, so it really didn't feel different. But just the idea of not having class um, was pretty nice today. So things are things are going good. Should be a pretty busy week. You know, you're kind of all over the place. I think people forget that you're still a student. Yeah, I I forget I'm a student too. Sometimes, not gonna lie. Um, yeah, I've kind of been everywhere this fall, um, and you know, going other places too in the next couple of weeks. So it gets pretty hectic um, and it'll be kind of weird uh, not having school next semester to kind of go along with everything. But, you know, I mean, that kind of just teaches you how to how to work and, you know, just time management is huge too. So, you know, it's been good. Yeah, well, that's awesome. So as far as you are a recruiting expert, so I thought I would ask you what you found out about recruiting this weekend. Obviously I saw Caden Proctor and Xavier Nawampa at the game. Caden is a gigantic human being. Mm -hmm. Um, Wow. But yeah, what have you, what are some rumblings and what have you heard from this weekend? Yeah. So I know it's going to kind of be a cliche with recruiting and, you know, with the offers that Xavier and Caden have, but you know, the Blue Bloods are definitely intriguing to them. You know, you have Caden who visited Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Um, he's been to a couple other schools like Arizona, Arizona State. And, you know, there's some I'm missing too. Obviously, he's been to Iowa and Iowa State as well. Um, but those Blue Blood schools, I think the main three, Notre Dame, Ohio State, um, and Alabama are definitely going to be three really intriguing ones for him. And, you know, I think Iowa and Iowa State are hanging in there as well. I know um, – you know, the whole offensive line appeal with Iowa and his family. He's got some family that are big Iowa State fans, mom especially. So I think that's going to play somewhat of a role. And, you know, Iowa's hanging in there. You know, they're doing what they can, staying in, um, continuing to show strong interest, really making them a priority. And, you know, that's all you can really do right now. And I guess with Iowa, it kind of speaks for itself with the offensive line tradition. And, you know, they got young guys in the room who are promising, who – can are still continuing to develop, especially in that true freshman class and the um, redshirt freshman class, the 2020 class. They have three, two guys that make contributions. And um, I think Caden sees that. And, you know, I think he sees potential to contribute in due time. And yeah, he is definitely a big boy. Um, Ever since he started to grow some facial hair, I met him last summer and have seen him a lot over the past year. And, you know, ever since just like the 
I guess the jump in maturity from this year to last year has been really amazing. Um, really crazy to see. I mean, I guess that's normal with high school, high school guys, but you know, it just, I just noticed that the other day as well. So um, yeah, that's with Caden and then with Xavier, uh, it's really three schools right now, Notre Dame, Ohio state and Iowa, um, Notre Dame and Ohio state have gotten a lot of the buzz with him, but um, Iowa's done a good job of staying involved. Obviously the appeal with the defensive backs and, you know, Iowa's defensive back performance on Saturday didn't hurt their cause either. So that's something to keep an eye on with him. I know, you know, the idea of the in-state appeal, staying home, playing for a defensive back coach like Phil Parker, you know, potentially the opportunity to play pretty early. I think Xavier could, you know, play pretty early at wherever he goes. I mean, I think it's going to be a tougher route if he goes to a Notre Dame or Ohio State. But Iowa, they, they told him that, you know, you come in, if you come to us and you come in, you have the potential to play three different positions, safety, cornerback, and cash. So whichever one you want to play, we'll let you try that one out first. And obviously you can make adjustments and stuff like that. But Xavier's really listening to that message. And, you know, I think the in-state appeal and, you know, I was really selling him staying home, staying home. I know NIL, he says publicly, is not a big deal in his recruitment. And I don't really think it is. But, you know, that's another angle that I was taking the, the ability to, you know, be able to profit off yourself and, you know, being the second highest recruit potentially in program history is something that Xavier's looking at. But I think Ohio State and Notre Dame are definitely uh, two schools to keep a good eye on there. But I was hanging around. We'll see what happens there. Well, and Iowa has a lot of seniority in the secondary. And of course, they have to graduate eventually. Right. And so I guess that's something that he'll also keep an eye on is, yeah, he could immediately start playing. Um, I'm curious. So this was a, a, our, like, as far as recruiting goes, I'm still kind of new to the whole like recruiting scene. So this was a big weekend. It seemed like, it seemed like there were a ton of guys there. Um, what are, are there other upcoming weekends that, that are like official visit weekends or how does this work in the fall? Yeah. So most of the official visits are taken in June. There mm-hmm. were a couple, I, th- I remember Tyler Goodson, was took one in April, I think a couple of years ago, that's when I first started on the beat, like recruiting stuff. So I was still kind of trying to get new with everything. I didn't really understand how the whole thing works, but Iowa really tries to hone in on one weekend during the summer. And you saw that with the uh, late June weekend. So that's when they really try to do it. And obviously a guy like Xavier who was on campus that weekend, but took an unofficial visit he, they were trying him to get, they were trying to get him to take an official visit that weekend, but he was kind of like, I want to see what else maybe could be out there. But now he's likely going to take an official visit um, the weekend of the Penn State weekend. So that'd be October 9th if I had my dates correct. So, you know, I think it kind of depends on the player. There are a lot of guys that, you know, want to drag things out a little bit more and, you know, being Xavier, like he can kind of do what he wants to do, given that how talented he is. Um, and, you know, there are other guys, too, that, you know, you could potentially see some December official visits, whether that be coaching changes. I was trying to flip a couple guys. I think there's a possibility for that later on in the cycle. There always seems to be a couple of names that pick up during the high school season. So you could potentially see that towards the end of the year um, or at, uh, leading up to uh, signing day in December. You could see a couple of December guys. And I think what I was really trying to do, I mean, I mentioned Wonk, but taking that official visit uh, the weekend of uh, October 9th, I don't think that's set in stone just yet, but it's a really good possibility. 
Um, I think Iowa's going to try and get a lot of their top targets on campus that weekend as well, whether that be in um, remaining guys in the 2022 class, guys that, you know, they're really looking at to potentially offer, and then top targets in 2023. Um, you know, they, they've had Proctor on a campus a couple of times. There's an offensive lineman from Kansas, Caden Green, who Iowa is trying to get pretty involved with. Obviously, four-star wide receiver Kyler Casper out of Arizona is coming up for the Kent State game, um, which, I mean, you would like to see him come up for Penn State, but they're all the way out in Arizona, and that's kind of hard logistically to get to other schools as well. But as long as they're getting them on campus, that's a big plus. So I think the big one right now is Penn State. Um, there's not a ton of guys that I know a lot of – I know the 2022 commits are all trying to get up to Penn State or get up to Iowa City for that Penn State game, so that will be pretty crucial, especially be good to have those, those guys, you know, be in his ear a little bit. And yeah, I think they're going to try and get a number of 2023 guys on campus that weekend as well. Um, and a couple in state guys too. Uh, so it'll be interesting. I'm pretty fascinated to see how it all works out this year. I know this past weekend, there were obviously Nwankba, Proctor, um, Asa Newsom, uh, athlete from Waverly Shell Rock, who I think is going to play linebacker at Iowa or not, I not play linebacker at Iowa, but I was recruiting him as a linebacker. He's got Nebraska. I think Iowa State's looking at him a little bit and a couple other power five schools have offered there. Um, there were a couple guys that they haven't offered yet. I know one of the really interesting visitors was Trey Porter from Ankeny Centennial, who's committed to Northern Illinois right now. And he was planning to camp at Iowa this summer, or Iowa wanted him to camp this summer, but he was all, he was all the way committed to Northern Illinois, didn't want you know anything to do with that. Iowa started to pick up a little more and he seems to be really interested in what Iowa has been uh, saying to him. So that's going to be one to watch in the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, I could, I could honestly go on and on and keep talking, but um, it would be, I think there's still some names that are still being worked out for that October 9th weekend. So I know basketball, I think is having a couple of guys as well later on, I think the next week um, for the game. So yeah, the next couple of weeks will be interesting to see who they kind of lock in for those visits. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I certainly think that anybody who came in on Saturday was happy with what they saw. I mean, it was a great game, great day. Um, I mean, not a very competitive game and not as competitive as everybody thought it would be, but it was a great game from the sense it was exciting to watch and the crowd was into it. And obviously Iowa came away with the win. Um, speaking of Iowa, let's transition and talk about this team. Um, you know, obviously the big guy that we all are, talking about is Riley Moss and his performance on Saturday, but were there other players on the team that really stood out to you that maybe we, uh, we need to keep an eye on this season? Yeah, I thought Justin Britt at the guard spot. Um, he had a pretty good day run blocking. I know Iowa's, um, I think it was especially on that Tyler Goodson touchdown. He had a pretty good block there. Pass blocking was a little meh, but I thought, you know, overall the run blocking did a really good job of stepping in for um, for Kyler's shot at that guard spot. And I think, you know, to the other side of him, Nick DeJong at tackle. Um, we talk a lot about Connor Colby and the true freshman. Obviously, you know, the true freshman deserve a lot of credit, especially a guy like Colby. I think David David Davikoff's going to be really good in due time. Bo Stevens was someone that George Barnett mentioned the other day, but DeJong has quietly seemed to really lock up that ta that right tackle spot while that left tackle spot between Mason Richmond and Jack Plum has been kind of seemed up in the, up in the air throughout spring ball. But 
DeJong's really taken that job at right tackle and, you know, seems to be a guy that could start for the next couple of years. And the crazy thing about DeJong, too, this his recruitment was more when I was kind of new to the beat, but obviously he came in as a walk-on. He had power five offers from an or he had offers from a number of FCS schools and a couple, I think, lower tier FBS schools that really want him to play defensive end. But I think he came to Iowa as a defensive player and then switched to the offensive line. And, you know, he's been a guy that I think saw a couple of snaps as a true freshman as a walk on, which is really impressive. Um, so he he's done a good job so far. at Right tackle. I've heard good things about him. Um, his progress has been been really solid and it's been good to see. Um, and defensively, I thought Lucas Van Ness is a guy I've really been high on since he was recruited by Iowa. Really came in as a defensive end. I think he was around 6'6", 6'5", 240. I went to go see him work out since we kind of live by each other back home. I went to go see him work out a couple weeks before he enrolled at Iowa in June of last year. And yeah, he was around the 6'5", 6'6", like 240 true defensive end guy that, you know, could get up some weight and he's switched to defensive tackle. And I've heard really positive things about him throughout the off season, his progress. I mean, he's six, six, two seventy five with a six pack. Like that is absolutely insane. And he, he showed out on Saturday. I thought he played a lot more snaps than I really expected. I think his snap total was around 35. And I know the defense, the interior of the defensive line, for Iowa has a lot of question marks and I wasn't totally surprised to see him on the two deep, but I think I was surprised to see how much he really played. And, you know, that sack was really impressive. I thought his tackling ability could have been a little better on some of his plays, but I think that sack, you really got to give him credit for. And how about Logan Lee as well? I thought he stepped up. Um, you know, we talk a lot about Logan Jones and he was a former four star, but Logan Lee, I thought did a really, really good job stepping up in place of Jones and Jones is the guy who I think will contribute, but obviously he's being held out by injuries right now. Um, no one really knows what's, what's going to happen with him. I think there's hope that he'll be towards the end of the year. He'll be able to return, but I thought, and I'm, I'm going to throw a Noah Shannon in there as well. I thought the interior of the defensive line, Ben S Lee uh, Shannon and black was in there um, here and there. So, you know, I thought those guys were really impressive. I didn't think I, Indiana's defensive line or offensive line was all that great, but I thought Indiana or Iowa's defensive line did a really good job of, you know, making Indiana not what we thought they were going to be in terms of offensive line play. I agree. And I actually was rewatching some of the Iowa game today and saw a couple, I saw a tackle by Noah Shannon that really stood out to me. And um, he's an aggressive player. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, it was like one of those tackles where it kind of like sends a hush over the crowd. Cause you're like, Oh my God, is that guy going to get up? Um, and yeah, Lucas Vaness was in there a lot. I know that the depth chart came out today. And as far as like black versus Lee starting, that's been kind of a, uh, up in the air thing. And, um, ultimately, you know, it just kind of, I feel like the depth chart is just one of those things that parents doesn't really pay attention to. <laughs> Yeah, that that's that's kind of what Kirk has mentioned as well. Because I mean, Jack Plum was listed as the starter mm-hmm. at left tackle, and I think Richmond was out there for about three fourths of the snaps. And I think Plum. he started. Was he the first? I think he started. Yeah, yeah, he started. Yeah. So and now um, he's got it. He's got it this week now. So or he's got. And I'm pretty uh, sure Richmond Lee started, started in front of Black, but I'm maybe I'm wrong. Or maybe did, yes. they just played a lot. I mean, I mean, they did switch around as much as they said they would. Um, 
but yeah, the, and then I noticed that the corners were switched a little bit in the two deep this week, but I don't even know if that's on purpose or not. So yeah, I I don't, I, when it comes to corners, like I do not pay attention to that. I don't know why (laughs) I just never really have. Yeah. Um, yeah, to me, I kind of, what, who I think that, um, stood out to me was obviously Charlie Jones. He did great. Uh, that opening, um, that opening return was like 33 yards. Um, he made that crucial catch on fourth and two early in that first half that I think we all were surprised that Iowa went for. (laughs) I was, I was surprised. I was surprised about the spot. Honestly, I watched it again and I was like, Oh, like that, that seemed like a generous spot. It was generous. It was a little generous. I I watched it today and I was like, it could go. It's one of those that could go either way. And obviously it works out in Iowa's favor. Um, yeah. And I don't know, I guess, you know, I watched a little bit of Iowa state today. I don't know if you have any insight as to what Iowa might need to do against the Cyclones this week to get that win. Yeah, that's going to be, as you said before the show, I think we'll find that out Tuesday. Um, we'll try and get as much as we can from the players. Um, and I say as much as we can, cause sometimes it can be tough, you know, I mean, I think <laughs> Riley Moss, Riley Moss had a couple good explanations. Then he realized he kind of gave too much stuff. And he's like, as long as we stay disciplined, we'll be all right. And, you know, there's truth to that. But there's also like we want to know so much about, you know, everything. But it's like, you know, they have media like training for a reason. Like you can't give away all your game plans because believe it or not, they're like other college programs have people who are going to read what other players say or opponents say to see if they can get anything out of it. So, you know, I understand that whole dynamic. Um, I get, I think, I, I think Iowa players and Kirk Ferentz has gotten a little better about it in the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of Iowa state stopping the run game, I think that's going to be critical. Uh, Brees Hall, Iowa state did a, did a, oh, not a great job with run blocking last week. I thought it could have been better. I think pass blocking was better. I mean, you see Purdy's stat line. I think he was 21 of like 26 against Northern Iowa. I mean, he had 199 yards, didn't record a touchdown pass or interception. It was kind of a Petrus game, but more efficient. Um, And I think a big reason that Iowa State or Northern Iowa kept it close was that Iowa State was not able to run the ball as efficiently as as they want to. I mean, Brees Hall is such a dynamic running back. He is phenomenal to watch. And, you know, I get the whole, you know, Tyler Goodson, Brees Hall battle between some, between fan bases. But I think Brees Hall, when you look at it, I think Tyler Goodson is very important to Iowa's success offensively. But I think Brees Hall is even more important to that Iowa State team. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason for that is, you know, I think Iowa State, with the way they run, the way they had their offense, you know, they're like Iowa too. They rely a lot on the tight ends and they have receivers who I think are a little more proven than Xavier Iowa's. Hutchinson, I think, yeah, I think is one Xavier that stands Hutchinson. out to me. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's like a Brandon Smith this year, except maybe more productive than Smith was last year. I'm not putting any blame on Brandon Smith. Obviously there were issues with the passing game last year, but Xavier Hutchinson kind of, he's a mismatch problem. I think that's going to be one of the really underrated battles that goes into this game. I mean, I wouldn't say underrated battles, but I think a battle that a lot of people, more people need to be talking about because 
it'll be interesting how Iowa goes about that if they want to put, say, Riley Moss on there, Matt Hankins. I mean, Riley Moss, you would I would say is probably around six two, maybe. I don't know if he's six three. I think he's more of like a six two. Mm-hmm. While Hutchinson's six four, and I think Hankins is like a six foot, six one. And you know, obviously size doesn't matter, but you know, and when you're going up a guy who's six foot four, this would have been a really nice game to have a guy like Julius Brents. Who is now Kansas Riley State, Moss given is six one. Yeah. Um okay. at least he's listed as six one. Matt Hankins doesn't seem that tall to me. Matt Hankins. Just thought I would check while we have the internet at our disposal. Right. Um it's a very good Matt tool. Hankins is six oh, so six feet. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how tall Xavier is. Um I think he's around six four, six three. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Moss and Moss and Hankins both have a lot of length though. Yes. Um, obviously Lincoln Hankins has a lot of length in his lower body. Um, Moss is kind of the same way a little bit, but he seems to have pretty long arms too. I could be totally misreading that, but that's how kind of how I do. And, you know, I, I guess I don't want to put a total like focus on like the matchup size wise, but I mean, I think you kind of have to talk about it at least because like Xavier Hutchinson, what's he's known for? He's known for being a red zone target, known for being a big target. Yep. And that's what Iowa State's going to try and put him in situations where he can take advantage of his size. He's six foot three, by the way. So you were, you were there. You were right. Um, I think I said six, three and six, four. Yeah. So, so you two, were, you were on the money there. Um, yeah. Something that stood out to me in Iowa State. And I think it was noted by the commentators from like the first half that I've seen so far is that, um, they were struggling to tackle. Um, so they were a little rough, a little rusty on tackling drills. And um, of course, like tackling has been kind of limited in preseason practice on, you know, every single team with the NCAA guidelines. But yeah, that was something that I noticed was you and I was breaking a lot of tackles. And they, I mean, it, they just weren't bringing guys down. And uh, someone that I think Brock Purdy on, you know, Iowa State's offensive side on the flip side of things. Um, he's a hard guy to take down. Actually. I noticed there were quite a few times where he was breaking multiple tackles and getting the ball off. Now, whether or not the ball went in a good place was another story, but um, yeah, I mean, he is kind of a, he's kind of a truck. <laughs> like he, he takes a while yeah. to, to bring down and credit to him and his strength and athleticism. But um, we did get a couple of Twitter questions that I thought would be interesting for both of us to answer. Um, let me pull this up. I think the first one, I thought I had these pulled up and then I didn't. And here we go. <laughs> okay. So how concerned should we be about Iowa's ground game? Apart from Tyler Goodson's touchdown, was Indiana's run defense that good? Iowa's offensive line just so-so or a combination? I will say that I think Goodson's run, I think the defensive back I can't remember which one it was for Indiana but the defensive back tried to cut off inside try to cut open that hole um on the inside between the tight end and tackle and Goodson did a really good job of reading it and getting him to pursue as deep as he did and then cutting it outside I think Iowa got pretty lucky there um I do think Indiana's defensive line was one of the strengths of their team as well. I know we talk about the lot about the linebackers and, you know, their secondary is pretty dynamic, but I mean, you have to take into account Indiana's defensive line had two guys on the outside that were playing sec football at this time mm-hmm. last year. 
Yeah. And, you know, I know that they were, I can't remember the exact stats of last year, but I know one of them had at least like seven and a half tackles for a loss. And, you know, I know the whole debate, like Big Ten, SEC, I do think that the SEC is the superior conference in college football. I don't think anyone would um, debate me on that. So I do think you have to give, though, I think, I wouldn't say the level of competition when it comes to Iowa's offensive line, because, you know, Iowa's offensive line is always pretty good. But I think those SEC guys, you got to give Indiana credit and those guys credit for stopping the run. Because I think those guys played a really key part in setting the edge and not allowing Goodson to get to the outside. I mean, I mentioned it with you earlier, or I talked about Bruce Hall earlier, but Goodson, I can't remember exactly which side of the field it was, but there was one side of the field where he could not really get anything. I'll actually Mm -hmm. pull it up right now. It was to the left side. So Mm -hmm. he had three carries. He had three carries to the left side of the field. So on the left side of the center, three carries for a total of zero yards. And then the rest of his carries, he had five of 28 um, off the center to the right in between in the center. Um, He had six between the tackle and the guard. And then he had, and then his touchdown run was obviously to the outside, but that was a 56 yard gain. And then he had, his four other carries, he only got five yards in them. So, I mean, I guess you don't – you kind of want to take those with a little bit of grain of salt, but I thought the left side of the line was a little um, concerning. And I mean, to the to the outside and, you know, same thing with the right side. I thought that was a little bit concerning on the outside, but I think you have to give Indiana credit there for their ability to set the edge and, you know, having Ryder Anderson. And um, I can't even remember the last guy's – the other guy's name right now, um, even though I wrote about him like five times. Right. But, Same. <laughs> yeah, they, they did a really good job setting the edge. Um, and I don't want to say I'm concerned about Iowa's run game because there have been moments like this before. Like, I mean, even Ivory Kelly Martin, I thought had a solid game despite that one fumble. Mm-hmm. And I mean, think about last year, Penn State, um, Iowa, Tyler Goodson really couldn't get anything going. Granted, the conditions at Penn State were not ideal with the grass and how much Goodson likes to be shifty and, you know, move side to side laterally. Um, it really wasn't his game, but you can't really say that about Iowa because of turf field and great conditions, but I don't want to worry about the run game yet. I feel like it'll be good in due time. Things are still working itself out. And I think the offensive line could have done a little better when it came to run blocking. Um, I think the tight ends outside of that touchdown run could have done a little bit better as well. I think there were some good moments with the offensive line run blocking, but I also think there's some moments where, you know, one or two blocks here or there could have made a much bigger difference. So I think things are still working itself out there. I'm not I'm not ready to worry about it, but I do think it's going to be key against Iowa State because they have two pretty good uh, defensive linemen or a couple of good defensive linemen off the edge. Yeah, and I think that the SEC is kind of coming up on, especially with edge rushers, they are um, starting to uh, – a lot of the podcasts that I've been listening to have been saying that um, – that's kind of what their bread and butter is, is producing some of those edge rushers. And, um, you know, Indiana, that was one of their more experienced position groups was the defensive line. Um, the next question was many fans are concerned about the offense, but do you agree that the offense was shut down with a 28 point lead? So 
I mean, I'm not, I, I, I don't, I, I think it's week one and yeah. I think Spencer did what he, I think he did what he had to do to secure the win. Um, you know, obviously if you looked at the completion percentage, like it's not going to tell the full story with him. Um, a lot of his balls were still like very accurate. Um, and Sam Laporta had a great game. Uh, and so to me, I thought he did what he had to do and what he was put in position to do to get the win. So the offense overall, we already kind of touched on the run game. I think the offense looked good. And especially against the defense like Indiana's, which was one of the best and most experienced in the big 10. So uh, now Iowa state has their three, three, five defense is kind of known that it's been like the most um, innovative in the big 12 and the best in the big 12. That's also the big 12, right? So Mm -hmm. defense in the big 12 is notoriously not that great. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that it'll be an interesting matchup for sure. I don't know what your take is on the offense overall passing game. Yeah. I think the offense, I think you hit it on the, you hit on the head there. I think um, when you're up that much, it's like, how much do you really want to show, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, there was, I think there were times where Petrus could have hit guys like Tyrone Tracy. I mean, he was visibly frustrated with some of the times that he was open and Petrus didn't find him. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to judge from that, from our seats and from the fan perspective as well. It's easy to see that. Um, but you never really know what's going inside or on inside of a play. Um, and a guy can get wide open like that. I think, you know, I, I do think that that needs to be adjusted in due time. I think Tracy expressed enough confidence during the off season that that's going to be something that is improved on. And I mean, there were a couple of times where Peters tried to throw it down the field. Um, I think he had two passes that were above that were more than 20 yards or something like that. Um, and then he had a couple that were of more than 10, obviously a couple first downs. Um, you'd like to see a couple more deep balls to guys like Tracy. I think he did a good job of getting the strong release off of the cornerbacks, off the line of scrimmage and getting open. But I think when you build a lead like that, I don't, yeah, I don't really know how much you want to show in certain situations. I know it's fun from our perspective and, you know, just to see like them throw the ball down the field. Cause I mean, it's Iowa, like, how often does that really happen? Um, so I think I think it all comes down to, you know, not wanting to show as much. Obviously, you'd like to build on a lead. You'd like to see, like, your team complete a long pass like that. But I think during the second half, Iowa was kind of like, all right, like, let's just get this game over with. Like, you know, let's do some things, but let's not try and show to them too much because we don't really need to. Yeah, I, I charted this earlier, and I wish I had uh... – the numbers here, but, oh, here we go on this other notebook. One second. Yeah. I was counting the number of passes that he even threw in like the second half, he only threw nine. The first half he threw, uh, 17, I guess is what the math would work out to be. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I didn't even think of that. Like you don't want to show everything you've got in your toolbox, especially with Iowa state on the horizon. So, um, yeah, but I did. And we saw Nico Regani also had two big catches there. Um, and Charlie Jones is being used a little bit more, but 
Tyron Tracy, I was very intrigued by some of the run plays that he got. I thought that was kind of fun. I was intrigued by the Wildcat with Tyler Goodson. I thought the quarterback draw by uh, Spencer Petrus was very well done. Obviously, credit to the offensive line. Gave everybody a heart attack when Tyler Linderbaum went down on the ground. But, uh, you know, Tyler uh, assured us that uh, he is just fine in the press conference and was sick of answering questions more, about yeah. it. <laughs> more than more than more than a couple times. Yeah, I think like. that was a very high anxiety moment for Iowa fans. Um, there was another guy who asked me a question who was like, can people relax on Spencer Petrus? I don't even think that's a question, um, but yeah. I think they should. I think they should relax on Spencer Petrus. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to dive too far into it, but I think, yeah, I think there were definitely, I think there was more, you know, there were some passes last year where you're like, oh my gosh, like that was almost picked off. Like, why do you throw that? But they were like, four or five of them a game. I think I only saw like maybe one or two of those. Um, you know, it's a small sample size, but I think that was definitely some some encouragement. And Kirk, Kirk doesn't really, you know, I wouldn't say hype up guys, but I think what he said about Petrus last week during the Tuesday availability was very, very notable. I don't know if you asked the question. I can't remember who did, um, but saying like he's night day from last year um at this time and you know you can say that but I really think Kirk meant it and I think I think we saw some improvements on Saturday from last year too well and I think it just shows how much confidence he has in him like going right. for it on fourth and two you know what I mean uh I think yeah, those are the that's, those are the key moments that you really you really put a lot of trust in your quarterback and the touchdown run too yeah especially like running like throwing the ball like a bootleg or something like you know Nate Stanley Every time it seemed like when it was fourth and one, fourth and two, it'd just be a QB sneak. And Iowa did that a couple times on Saturday, but just having them like getting a guy outside the pocket, um, rolling outside the pocket and throwing it, um, you know, I know it wasn't really a deep ball or anything. It was just a quick, you know, just quicker out. But I mean, that still, still shows some confidence, I would say too. And I think something that's encouraging overall for the entire team is that Iowa had two penalties out of the entire game, I believe. Um, yeah. and I think Ferentz mentioned that, um, and especially in comparison to Indiana, who was very heavily penalized, um, especially in that first half. So, um, even it was, even though it was a first game, a week one game, it wasn't as, uh, it wasn't as rough as it could have been as far as, you know, those little things that tend to happen. Uh, now there were two fumbles, which Ferentz also did not seem very concerned about at all. Um, but not say, I won't say at all, but he just kind of said, you know, we can't do that, but it is week one, you know, and Ivory Kelly right. Martin's coming off an injury. So that's also a byproduct of that. Speaking of injuries, we did get a question about Charlie Jones and Sam Laporta. We'll ask tomorrow, but they are both on the depth chart. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's all I'd really have to say. And I mean, no one really addressed, no one asked Kirk about it, but Laporta seemed in good spirits afterwards. Um, no one really noticed Charlie Jones, except a couple people on our message board wrote stuff and obviously on Twitter. Um, but I haven't really heard any like reason to be concerned with it. It was kind of, I guess it's sometimes it's one of those things where someone goes into the medical tent. Obviously, if you're watching on TV, it's a little bit easier to see that. <laughs> Whereas we're all the way up in the yeah. press box and you're like, oh, shoot. You know, <laughs> right, right. So I don't know if you got any more Twitter questions on your end. I know you retweeted uh, mine. Yeah, let me look really quick. 
I thought there was one that was the same deal with Jones and Laporta. Um, gosh, my computer is so slow. Um, Any timeline on shots returned? Yeah. I think they uh, said like one to two more weeks, right? Yeah, I think the initial hope was for Iowa State. But I remember, I think it was, I don't remember who exactly tweeted it. Might have been Chad Lyskow of the Des Moines Register tweeted that um, it didn't seem totally optimistic when people were talking about, once people were talking to him during media day a couple weeks ago. I know that was the hope was to get him back for that Iowa State game, but I'm not 100% sure at this point. I think it could be noted that he's not on the depth chart, but once again, some things you got to take with a grain of salt with that. Yeah, I think that um, it was it last week, I think Kirk said one to two more weeks. And um, of course, I think in the opening press, even in at Iowa Media Day, he said midseason. So, I mean, there really isn't, um, I don't know. I it's hard to It's hard to say on that one. And any chance we see Keegan out there outside of special teams was another question we got. Yeah, I think he played eight snaps on offense. Yeah, I was going to say Saturday. I saw him. He just didn't get the ball. Um, right, yeah. And, you know, I think that's another thing, too. Um, I think a lot of people – I mean, obviously hyped up the freshman. I think Arlen Bruce and Keegan Johnson are going to play roles this year for Iowa. But I think we also, like, need to remember that, you know, Charlie Jones is a pretty good receiver at Buffalo as a redshirt freshman a couple years ago. Nico Regani – you know, maybe not be the most athletic or most or biggest guy in the world, but I think he's probably the best route runner, one of the best, one of the better route runners on the team. And, you know, just being able to get off the line of scrimmage and being reliable, I think is, I think he had a drop on Saturday. Um, so, I mean, obviously, you know, take that with what you will, but I think Charlie Jones and Nico Organi are two really good receivers that more people maybe should have been talking about. I think Keegan and Arlen are going to be really good, but I think, Charlie and uh, Nico are also going to be um, big parts of the offense this year too. Well, and also they've been playing for a while, right? They've been playing right. at this level for a long time. And so they're used to the pace of the game. And Nico did have two very good, very, you know, good length catches. So it was, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I think one was 11 yards, one was 10 yards. Um, so, you know, he was, he, like you said, very reliable, very re consistent. And there's value to that and not being this big show, but, uh, and I'm not at all saying that Keegan's going to be a big show, but we don't even know. We don't know what's in store. I'm really excited to see the first time he does catch a ball. I yeah. think, I think that's going to be really exciting for all of us to see and see what he's capable of. I'm excited to see Tyrone Tracy have a, a bigger game, you know, and that's bound to come too. And like you said, Iowa didn't show its full playbook this weekend for a reason. So yeah. Um, well, Sean, thank you so much for coming on here. I really appreciate your insight. I'm sure all listeners will be excited to hear a little bit about recruiting that you shared with us. And um, yeah, thanks a lot and have a good rest of your Labor Day. Awesome, Leah. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me. Hope we can do this again sometime. For sure, for sure. All right, y'all. Thank you for joining us on Hawk Off the Press and y'all have a good one.